0: on to the 5th episode of Northern Spin. As always, I'm joined by Chris Maguire. Welcome, Chris. Hello, Michael. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's been another big week, hasn't it? it certainly
1: has, yeah. What's been, been in the big news? Week. What's caught your eye? Come on. It's been a big week for you. It's been a big week for me. Um, certainly in the news, Avante, West Coast, have had their contract to run the Glasgow to London service extended by six months. Surprised a few people Yeah, and,
0: and all points in between. They call yeah. it the West Coast main line, don't they? Yeah. Do you, they... Know how, do you know how many points it actually goes where you can see the West Coast of England? Not many for about two miles, just north of Lancaster, where it runs alongside Hess Bank by the Morecambe Bay Estuary.
1: Yeah, I was surprised it got extended, but I mean, basically they've been, put on, uh, they've been given a last warning. This is their last warning. Um, in more positive news, Liverpool pipped Glasgow to host next year's Eurovision Song Contest. Um, I've been to Liverpool a lot in the last week as well, which we'll talk about later, but yeah, there's a real, real feel-good factor about Liverpool. Yeah. But um, what subject do you want to kick off with today, Michael?
0: Well, Chris, we're famous. Liz Truss has decided to define herself by her enemies, just as Margaret Thatcher did in the 80s. You remember Margaret Thatcher spoke about Arthur Scargill and the miners as the enemy within. She says, the Argentinians invaded the Falklands, they were the enemy without everyone else, CND, the unions, they were the enemy within. And now apparently, according to Liz Truss in her awful speech at Birmingham last week, there's an anti-growth coalition Labour, the Lib Dems and the SNP, the militant unions, the vested interests, dressed up as think tanks, which is a bit rich coming from her. They prefer protesting to doing, as they taxi from Marple to the BBC studios to dismiss anyone challenging the status quo,
1: from broadcast to
0: podcast.
1: She was on about us, you know. She, was, she all but mentioned us by name. But yeah. what I would say is, you called it a rubbish speech. I would say that by Liz Truss's standards, because she's not a great speaker... I thought it was probably a reasonable speech and it, it didn't make a terrible conference any worse because going into that speech, people said if she if she messes up on this, she's going to be in big trouble. So already we're only two minutes into this podcast and your labourist tendencies are coming to the fore, Michael. Um, one thing I did think, listening to the conference, is that levelling up is dead. There's no mention of levelling up at all. No. Uh, none whatsoever. I don't know if you no. think it's dead.
0: I don't think they're committed to the levelling up agenda as predicted on this podcast. No.
1: <laughs> We are not, famous.
0: No, I, I did think it was a dreadful speech, particularly for that bit of it, that um, she was effectively trying to re the culture wars and identify people in their opposition to her. I mean, what, what does anti-growth mean? Nobody's anti-growth. Yeah. Maybe some people in the far fringes of the environmental movement have got a, a, an economic theory called degrowth, that they think that um, ec- untrammeled economic growth encourages... Um, more pollution, more um, carbon emitted into the atmosphere, and we have to slow down a little bit. But that's not Labour Party policy. And she actually nicked the line, gross, 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 from Keir Starmer. So he sort of can't use that anymore, really.
1: One of the stories that came out, of course, was uh, you know, the choice of M People as a song for Elise Trust to come out. Yeah, moving on up. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Your Time is Up. Yeah. It's Time to Go. She didn't play that bit of the song, <laughs> did she? No, yeah? she didn't. She didn't. But what was interesting about her use of that song is Mike Pickering, former Hacienda DJ. Um, and Heather Small, of course, who's... Uh, she married to Sean Edwards, or, she, or they have a son together, who's a Labour councillor.
1: Right. You yeah. are full of information today. Yeah.
0: But anyway, they were absolutely livid that that song, that their music had been used. But, you know, there's nothing they can do about that. Lots of other politicians before have used walk-up music. Artists have been upset about it. Though not possibly. Gary Glitter and George Bush used his music to walk up to... at a conference can you imagine
1: no probably move on from that uh,
0: probably move (laughs) on from that right so politics it got me thinking about politics and showbiz and the very small number of people who have strong political opinions who are maybe actors footballers whatever and they make that crossover into politics and probably the most high profile northerner who's doing that at the moment is gary neville someone you and i have both interviewed so what's your
1: view of him chris Gary Neville's a funny guy. Well, he, he's not a funny guy. Um, he's a very serious guy, actually. And I've read his autobiography. And if you write down all the things that Gary Neville does, yeah, he's a businessman, football commentator. Never talks about himself as a former footballer. He doesn't like that. He likes to. He talks about the fact that you know he had a great career up until the age of thirty-five, but he wants the rest of his life <coughs> to be as successful yeah. as the first part of his life. Yeah. So he's very much a political commentator now. Very very busy. He's got five five million followers on Twitter. Uh, football club owner, Salford City, which he co-owns. Um, interesting fact about him is that, you know, i a big cricket fan. He once scored a 100 playing for, I think it was Berry. Good, Good team. Uh, batting at the other end with Matthew Hayden, the Australian Test cricketer as well. He could right. have been a very good cricketer. His brother Phil could have been an England player, actually. Wow. Um, I think the thing about Gary Neville is it was his response to the European Super League that sunk it. Yeah. because he was so measured, he was so articulate. Yeah. He obviously became a, uh, a member of the Labour Party, I think, earlier this year. At least it was announced earlier this year. Uh, and I was convinced, absolutely convinced, he was destined to go into politics, and that I thought he would follow Andy Burnham as the Metro Mayor for Greater Manchester. That seems to have been ruled out, and uh, he's had a tough week this week, Um you know, so
0: just, we'll talk about his, his tough week in a moment. I'm not trying to kill the story yeah. off because he's a former, a, a fellow Labourite. Yeah. Just in case you yeah. suspect me, Labourist. Labourist. Yeah. Um, so you, you were convinced that he'd go into politics by succeeding Andy Burnham. Yeah. Obviously, there has to be a vacancy for that to occur. Yeah. I think that's really interesting because when George Osborne conceived, you know, his whole Northern powerhouse and devolution and created, without without a referendum the offices of Metro mayors for Greater Manchester, Liverpool city region, and then eventually they rolled out into other places. I think at that moment, they wanted high profile public figures, not with inside the party system, not council leaders or, or MPs. They didn't really envisage a well-known semi-household name like Andy. Becoming, um, becoming one of the high-profile mayors and eventually using that as a platform for themselves to become king of the north. I think they envisage people like Gary Neville doing it. And I wrote a piece about Labour losing the 2015 general election. And I commented at the time that Labour's working-class base was at absolute peril and it only could take high-profile figures like Gary Neville, who's opinionated, successful, and you know, does all has a, has a, has a platform... To do for labour in English cities what the SNP had done for labour in Scotland.
1: Do you know a guy called George Ferguson? You won't. No, because I used to work in Bristol, and he became the mayor of Bristol. Oh,
0: he was on with the red jeans, wasn't yeah,
1: the he? The red, yeah, oh, he used to wear red jeans. Yeah, and but he was, inter- he was a Lib
0: Dem, though. We weren't independent.
1: But 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 he was. I think he was an architect. He was certainly worked in business. And when you talk about somebody coming out, somebody coming in from outside, you know you know, mainstream politics. Mm-hmm. He was known as a... I'm sure he was an architect. Uh, very opinionated, very passionate about the environment. And that was the sort of person that George Osborne probably had in mind. To be a politician, you are under incredible
0: scrutiny. And this week, I think we've, it's fair yeah. to say, Gary Neville's been under scrutiny because he's decided... He's taken up the offer to go and work for Beat In, broadcaster, during right. the World Cup in Qatar. Yeah. I hate the fact the World Cup's in Qatar.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the thing is he's been branded a hypocrite Simon Jordan former Crystal Palace owner he branded him a hypocrite Um, and and the difficulty is and if you are a politician you get so much scrutiny everything Gary Neville does everything he does will be, is scrutinised already, and he knows it. Um, I think that decision to go and to work for them in a the World Cup, you know, it, it, it does beg the question of, you know, is he a hypocrite, isn't he? Um, but but he's, a, he's a very, very good communicator. And I just think that... I listened to an interview that he did with Matt Ford, and um, he sort of said that he sees himself being able to influence what happens on the outside. And I don't think I could become a politician um, because I don't think, quite frankly, I could keep my mouth shut. And I'm not Mm. sure Gary Neville could keep his counsel in certain situations because he says what he thinks.
0: Yeah, he does. I thought it was a bit of a masterstroke by Lucy Powell, who's the MP for Manchester Central and Labour's shadow culture secretary, to actually recruit Gary into the Labour Party because it then prevents him standing as an independent against Andy Burnham unless they have a massive fallout. And, And he leaves the party and goes down that route for his own ambitions. But I interviewed him for Big Issue in the North last year. I found him absolutely fascinating. I did press him on the issue of politics. It was before, he was before he officially announced he was joining the party. And I was saying, come on, come on, you want to do it? You want to do it? And he was really curious about it. And he did say and he did acknowledge that politics is hard. You know, you are elected to be a legislator. You're not elected to be a performing circus clown. And frankly, this country's had enough for the last three years of a performing circus clown leading the country because he's got funny hair, a personality, and a bit of a quip at the dispatch box. That's not what the job of prime minister is about. And th- he he's fundamentally was an unserious person. And I think Gary acknowledges that actually some of the hard yards and work, both that Andy Burnham has to do and MPs have to do, is probably beyond his
1: skill set at the moment. You are uh, without doubt, Michael, the king of the name drops. And I have no doubt at some point today you will mention a name drop. But I once hosted a quiz, a sportsman's dinner. Um, it's a sportsman's, uh, and it was in aid of a guy, unfortunately, with was terminally with cancer. And Gary Neville, to be fair to him, he opened up hotel football, uh, as did Ryan Giggs, his partner, um, one of his business partners. Right. So you had it at hotel football? He had it at hotel football, yeah. yeah. And he had a Man United team versus a Man City team. Wow. And I was asked to be the quiz master. Wow. Uh, absolutely, was that like? yeah. Was that good? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was um, I did it on my birthday actually and Gary Neville was pretty serious in fact before the event started he was having a meeting with Andy Burnham and I I said to Gary Neville I said Gary I said I need to ask you a question I said "Um, what have these five goalkeepers got in common and I can't remember all the names of the goalkeepers but Thomas Myra was one Uh, I think um, I think Ian Walker was another one David James might have been another one and as you know I don't like swearing but I'm going to swear now don't don't swear you don't have to Okay. because we'll get get a tag on Spotify Oh, right, okay, I won't swear. So I said, Gary, I said, what have these five goalkeepers got in common? Thomas Myra. Yeah,
0: um, all, yeah, absolutely, were, absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah, Ian Walken. And, and, he, he, said, and he, said, he, said, he said, they're all S-H-I-T. <laughs> and he got a huge laugh, and I said, "Funny to say that, Gary, because the five goalkeepers you scored against in the Premier League were Thomas Myra, Ian Walker, etc., etc., etc." And it got the biggest laugh I think I've ever had. It was uh, it was really funny. Brilliant. And what about all the own goals that he scored as well? He, yeah, yeah, he did score a few. He did yeah. score a few, but he got fewer sendings off. Poor Robinson for England. He got fewer sendings off than his brother. Did he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. But I, I want to talk about, if I may, about him as a business person. Because I don't yeah. know what your view is about him as a business person. Um, well, I think gives the perception he's very successful. But, you, you know, you're the business journalist. Tell me otherwise. Yeah, I think, I think the thing is, I would say, to quote Liz Truss, the jury's still out. Um, because he's had some high-profile successes, some that are less so uh, successful. I mean, it's, um, I love the way he was a visionary. So when he was going to Old Trafford, he saw that patch of land. Uh, Where hotel footballers and he thought, you know what, if we were to build a hotel here, you know, it would be hugely successful because it faces the biggest club in the world. Um, it caused a bit of a row with the club at the time, actually. So that was massive, massive visionary. He did something really successful early doors. He um, he, he he got Peter Lim, you know, the billionaire businessman, on side. So a lot of the stuff that he's done, he's done alongside him. There's a business not a lot of people will have heard of called E3 Creative, very successful, run by a guy called Jake Welsh. And what Gary Neville recognised early on was that video was where it's at. Audio is great, but video is where it's at. And he, he, he was spending a lot of money on video recording meetings. Right. So okay. he invested some cash into this business with E3 Creative, yeah. made it really successful on the back of Jake Welsh, who's a really talented guy, incidentally. When that got bought... Um, he exited the building and, uh, you know, he, he invested in other businesses. He's got some other businesses called Xerum, um, which is quite successful. I think it's a, it's a consultancy based here in Manchester. Yeah. But Hotel Football lost three million quid during COVID. Um, there's a bit of a row on Twitter about that and he pointed out that they'd managed to pay all their staff throughout COVID yeah. and they opened up to, because uh, that's where his communication is so good, you know, to nurses. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but, I mean... You
0: can't measure the success of a business by their performance during COVID when literally people were told to stay home, save lives, protect the NHS. I think, you know, when, um, when the business is up and running and they're taking people, guests in, let's see
1: then. They, they, I think they, that's probably a bit harsh No, no, I'm, I'm just sort of stating the fact it lost three million quid but he pointed out they lost it during Covid at a time when the industry was under a lot of pressure the football club Salford City I read a report that say it's losing £91,000 uh, a week you know that's over £10,000 a day the real key the real key and this will mean a lot more to people in Manchester is he's involved in a scheme a big project called uh, St Michael's Development it might be named after you Michael I mean I don't I don't want to start this rumour here but if that it's not okay. it's not stop, be, stop, million stop being silly 200 million pound development. I think he's been, he's been chipping away at this for 10 years. it has been going through planning and everything. Yeah. That's going to be a mega, mega, mega scheme. If that gets off the ground quite literally, and I think building works due to start, then we can turn around and say Gary Neville's been a success as a business person. Yeah.
0: What's interesting, though, is politics is sometimes cruelly called show business for ugly people. <laughs> and the numbers of people who make that conversion from kind of show business... Into politics is vanishingly small. I can think, I could think off the top of my head when I was preparing for this. Sebastian Coe, yeah, absolutely world famous, world leading athlete. He didn't really make a big impact as a Tory MP, did he? No. He was William yeah. Hague's judo partner, Glenda Jackson, again Oscar-winning actress, amazing. Uh, mother of Dan Hodges, Mail and Sunday columnist. Yeah. And. And then, the, I guess more recently, Tracy Brabin, who's the mayor of West Yorkshire, she stood for Batley and Spen. Coronation Street. And she was Coronation Street actor. Um, I think on a global stage, Trump, Zelensky, Sil- Sil- Silvio Berlusconi, they're big showbiz figures as well. They've did, made it.
1: Did the term you used politics, your show business, for ugly people?
0: Yes, that's the phrase that is, has been bandied around before. Brings
1: us neatly on to your attempt to try and become an MP, Well, there Michael. you go again, with your personal dig. <laughs> um, I want to ask you about that, because I said earlier that I don't think I could become a politician because I don't think I could keep the mouth shut for long yeah. enough. Um, 2015, you stood for the Labour Party in Hazel Grove. And I think to yeah. myself, you would feel really naked when you're on that platform, when you're about to announce who the winner is. You finished third, you increased Labour's vote. What was that like, and why did you decide to try to become an MP?
0: Um, well, the sequence of it, it wasn't that I set out to do it. I did make a decision around 2013 after I left full-time front role, front, um, you know, high-profile role in journalism that actually I'd, I'd, I do have a political itch that I want to scratch. And I applied to be on the panel of candidates to to sit on Stockport Council. And, and I was put on the list to, to go for a challenging seat, which meant I basically had to, you know, stand in or Marple or somewhere like that, where the Tories or the Lib Dems were slam dunked to win, just to get the experience of doing it and to prove that I was serious about it. Um, But then Labour's candidate backed out in December 2014, before the election, and I got really involved and I was dead keen to, to, to do my bit. And I thought, I've got a choice here. Either I can ferry Toby or Ollie around through the course of the election campaign, pointing out the difference between Breadbury and Romley and Offerton, or I'll do it myself. And I put myself forward and I thought, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it really well. I'm going to help. And I set a number of different objectives. We got an Ashcroft, me and Michael Ashcroft, the Tory peer, he does a lot of polling. He did a poll that put Labour coming forth behind UKIP. UKIT were really strong, particularly on the estates where there was no tradition of Labour voting because the Labour Party had given up over the years because it was a Lib Dem seat. And
1: You finished and that, third in the end, didn't you?
0: Yeah, we, we did that. I also set objectives to do a little bit better in some council wards where I thought that Labour should be doing a lot better. Um, and we didn't, unfortunately. But we've put 50% on Labour's vote, which I was pleased about. I think we did up our game. and And I enjoyed the experience. We did about... I did 12 Hustings events in the course of the short campaign, including some for the whole of Stockport, where I'd stand in for Anne Coffey and Martin Miller, Labour's candidate in Cheadle. Martin works for the um, for the Church of England. He was, he's the chief executive of the diocese. He works for the Catholic Church now. Uh, and Anne Coffey is one of those MPs who, who lives in London and has a home in the constituency at the weekends. Um, so I, I tended to do the business events, because yeah. that was my, my background, as having been a business journalist for a long time.
1: Uh, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, listen, I got huge respect for you for doing it, um, joking aside. Um, but uh, yeah, it's not something, not a route I could go down. Yeah,
0: but you asked the point before about how naked it feels standing on the, uh, on the podium. You actually know the result about half an hour before. Mm. And you've got a pretty good idea about where the election's going. The other thing I had in that election was
1: dirty tricks were pulled on me. Really?
0: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely horrendous.
1: Well, we'll talk about that in another podcast, because I think time's against us. But uh, that's the end of part one. Uh, we're going to have a short interval, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about uh, growth, growth, growth.
0: Welcome back to the Northern Spin podcast. Liz Truss's mantra is growth, 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 a phrase that was originally coined by Keir Starmer. Chris you've been out and about hosting various business events over the last week I'm really interested in whether there's anybody who's who's against that
1: yeah uh, absolutely not but I don't think there's anybody any of the businesses that I've spoken to in the last week have said we're going for growth because of something Liz Truss or Keir Starmer have said okay. So
0: where have you been where, where, tell me about some of the places yeah, been you've been Liverpool. doing business I hosted, events
1: uh, I hosted two events in Liverpool and I don't think I'm, I've done enough to talk up business and I think that's a mistake that we in the media make sometimes um, I hosted an event on Wednesday at Playstation in Liverpool now I'll be honest with you, you can, That's Sony Playstation the, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, wow, absolutely. Right, the gaming not, company yeah 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 oh, I'm fantastic. not a gamer they're in Liverpool yeah they don't make the games but they do everything else behind the scenes so So if you pick up a PlayStation box anywhere in the world, there's a fair chance it will have passed through um, Liverpool or the team that's partly based in Liverpool as well. They employ 400 people, They've got a fantastic office in the old Echo and Daily Post building. Um, They bought a business last year called Firesprite Games. They employ 300 people. The place was packed. It was absolutely, 120 people in the room. Um, And these companies are hugely successful. They're doing stuff all over the world, but they're not growing because Liz Truss had said on the same day, growth, 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 we're going for growth. They're growing because they're good businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, The following day, I went up to Liverpool City region, Tech Climbers, which is a, a, it's an initiative I've been involved in for a number of years, to be honest with you. It's run by a company called Active Profile. And what we do is we shine a profile on up and coming tech businesses in a region, this case, Liverpool, and, and the ones to watch as well. That was busy. There was uh, probably 100 people in the room. Um, you know, Lots of positivity. Uh, Obviously, people are aware of headwinds, you know, like the valuations for businesses have softened slightly. You're not maybe seeing some of the mega deals, but investors have got lots of money to invest. They're investing in places like Liverpool. Um, but it got me thinking about the fact that there's some great clusters. Yes, you know, indeed. Liverpool's got a great gaming cluster. Daresbury and Audley Park have got a great biotech and life science sector. Yeah. And I just think it's incumbent on me in the media yeah, yeah. and you, and it's incumbent on politicians yeah. actually just to say actually yeah we want to we want to grow 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 but a lot of people are already doing it let's shine a light on them i i, I want to push back a little bit on this
0: if i'm honest chris i, I don't recognize this idea that there are anti-business people talking business down Everybody loves an entrepreneur. They love a success story of the the, the likes that you're talking about. I mean, where we are, I work in Stockport, and we had the Stockport Business Awards last week. I didn't go because it was full council, which takes up my attention on a Thursday, um, on that particular Thursday night. But the winner was a company called One and All, which the owner, or the, the chairman, Donald Moore, has transformed into what's called a B Corp. Mm. And it's a real success story. They make school uniforms. It used to be called Rawlinson Knitwear, and he's transformed it. And Donald came to the um, uh, Stockport Economic Alliance meeting the other week, and he was talking about how the real, real pressures on their staff, and it's he he thinks it's really important that they pay the real living wage, and and make sure that they look after the staff and that ethos. You know, so this anti-business stuff, I don't get it. I don't hear it. I don't necessarily people think- support good businesses. What they don't Support and people get angry about. And what you mustn't conflate is when people are really angry about how Amazon treat their staff, and they have to like go to the toilet in a coke bottle or p o ferries, the disgraceful way that they treated their staff, just sacking them overnight. People, the British people, don't like that, and they don't like being taken for fools. You know, it's the core British value, as I said
1: last week. And uh, so, what do, what do you think? Is I'm that sure. is that unfair, I'm or is that, or am I? I'm not sure Amazon would say that, you know... That, that, that they're as bad as they're painted out, the idea of Coke bottles, Alexa, I need to go to the toilet. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, I think that might be a myth, an urban myth, but uh, the point I'm making, business doesn't talk down business, but we have a habit in this country, and we have a habit in the media of highlighting negativity. So if a business goes bust, and there's 50 job losses, you know, it, That's, it, that's a news story. That's a big yeah, news yeah. story, yeah. yeah. and yeah, It's also
0: a big news story, if someone, new company comes to town, and, you know, they put their we're hiring sign up. Yeah, but, but you
1: look at a company like, you know, One and All, and, and, and I've interviewed Donald, who incidentally is a big listener to the Northern spin podcast, um, you know, they became a B Corp. You know, that's amazing. And if people understand what it takes to become a B Corp, oh, it's, they, incredibly it's strenuous, isn't it? It's ethical, yeah. but that doesn't make big headlines. So when we talk about the fact we want to chase two and a half percent growth, some companies are busting that already, you know, you know, and we need to say, you know, we've got some great businesses in places like Liverpool, Daresbury, Audley Park. We need to shine a light on these companies All right. as well. So, so
0: here's the negativity that I might be throwing into this just to challenge you. So I think the reason that we're not going to achieve 2.5% growth this year, next year, and the year after is because the biggest challenge facing so many businesses to be competitive is they can't get the staff. And the reason for that is because of Brexit. And people don't want to talk about Brexit. Labour don't want to acknowledge it because you know, it alienates the people who are daft enough to have voted for it. They don't want to tell them that they were wrong because they feel that that is a, is a negativity. But unfortunately, we don't talk about Brexit, and we don't talk about the cause, the ill effects of Brexit, to the extent that are oh, you just being negative? You're just being ninnies, or what did Liz Trust call people? Um, Brexit deniers. I mean, yeah. honestly.
1: Well, she. she if you she can't, herself. if you
0: can't have an honest conversation about the reasons why the economy is stalling, then and, and if that gets. Painted as negativity, then I'm 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 sorry. But that
1: boat has sailed. You know, I I was. I'm not
0: trying to re-prosecute the argument for it. Yeah. But nobody wants to actually, and I think this was the point of Emily Maitlis's speech at Edinburgh, um, that nobody wants to speak about what the reasons are that we are facing chronic labour shortages in our key competitive industries, yeah. and we're not recruiting good people coming out of universities or colleges, or if, even if they've just got uh, or, or apprenticeships. Because there are some key systemic issues in our economy which mean that we can't be competitive.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and you'd get a lot of votes for that if you decide to stand in the next general election, Michael. No, um, well,
0: I'm not advocating for Labour. I'm just putting some economic realism into the conversation.
1: Yeah, and, 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 and I agree with a lot of what you said. You know, I, I wasn't in favour of Brexit, but like I say, that boat has sailed, and the problem with politicians is is it's it's, it's such a divisive issue uh, and remains a divisive issue, but...
0: But what you could argue is, well, we need to be back in the single market, or we need to be to encourage free movement of labour goods and services, you know, for us to join the customs union again, for instance, but nobody will put that on the table, because it then it plays out as a culture war issue, and you have that absolute balloon, Nigel Farage, down at Dover Docks, with these red cords on, pointing at People escaping war and, pro- and persecution.
1: There are no legal issues in calling Nigel Farage a balloon. No, there aren't. None whatsoever. But if we talk about Brexit, Brexit became an immigration issue. It did. And, and what we've got, to, and the problem is is that the idea that all immigration is bad is, is completely wrong. It's, it's, of, course it's, it is. Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. But we need to have that conversation. But um, we're going for a break. Um, thanks very much. This is the uh, Northern Spin podcast. We'll be back after this short break. Welcome back to the Northern Spin Podcast. We've uh, had a lively debate so far, Michael. We've seen barristers, railway workers, postal workers, container port workers, people who work in telecoms and teachers, all involved in pay, in, in, uh, involved in pay disputes and various industrial action or threats of industrial action. It and could university be a, staff. And university staff as yeah. well. Lots of talk of it being a very bleak winter. Um, are unions too powerful? The winter of discontent it was in 1978, wasn't it? Which brought down the Labour government. I'm much younger than you,
0: Michael, but... Um, <laughs> Are unions too powerful? Um, Right, people are fed up. They're looking at rent increases. If they if they rent, they're looking at interest rate rises. Student loan repayments going up. Food is more expensive. Everything basically is ticking up in price, except for concert tickets to go and see Paul Heaton and Jackie Abbott. He's pegged those at thirty pound. Big shout out to Paul Heaton. (laughs) Is he a listener? He, he might be. Okay. Listen to my radio show okay. on Sunday nights on Tameside Radio. Okay, Music Therapy. Okay. But anyway, Paul Heaton, who, who um, lives in Manchester, great great tunes, by the way, people. Um, but at the same time, I said it, I've already said it on this podcast, and I said it last week. If the British people think they're being made fools of, then they absolutely rise up. They change their voting habits, or they will, when pushed, take industrial action. So it's tough out there, and when they see bosses taking big, big bonuses and pay rises, and they're being asked to effectively take a pay cut, then they will take industrial action. So that's what's going on here. That's the dynamic. It's not union barons pulling the strings. That is an old cliche that Liz Truss wants to propagate, that people like Mick Lynch are some kind of evil overlord pulling the strings and forcing people to take industrial action. So I sort of don't accept the premise of your question, its powerful unions uh, holding the country to ransom, which I think was uh, that what That wasn't my it. question.
1: That wasn't my question. And, and just by way of some sort of context is, you know, I'm 50. My dad was a miner. So mm. I remember what the mining strike was like in 1984. And it, it, it was horrible. I'm from Kent, you know. Um, yeah. and People forget that Kent no, had a mining area, absolutely, didn't they? I was South mines. Yorkshire. And yeah, 100%. Yeah, we only had three mines there. My dad worked as a ventilation officer down there. His dad worked in the mines before Um, that didn't work in the mines during that time Um, you couldn't you couldn't because it divided whole communities and I was 12 years of age I'm a twin you know I remember seeing houses with daub with the word scab on it was an horrific part of my childhood but not yours because your dad stayed out for the whole year he he, he worked he picked apples you know my dad picked apples my dad my dad, who, who is one of my heroes, my dad would get mm. up at the crack of dawn and he would pick apples and his hands would come back bleeding because he was picking fruit all day just to earn £70 yeah, yeah. a week in order... But as a kid, you don't realise that. Yeah, the point yeah. I make with industrial uh, action... And has that kind of made you a bit sort of
0: suspicious of militant union action? Do you um, think that's part of you now?
1: I... I'd, 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 I respect people's, um, you know, right to strike. I absolutely respect it, you know, and they don't take that decision lightly. But my dad didn't take that decision lightly. My dad couldn't go back to work and he wouldn't go back to work. Um, but did he, was he... Suspicious of the motives of Arthur Scargill? I don't want to put words in I don't know, I don't know. Because Dad, like a lot of people don't talk about the war. Dad never really spoke about the strike. He right. tried to protect me and my brother. But it had a big effect on me. So I, I don't, you know, the problem is some, some company bosses are taking big pay rises. Mm-hmm. Not all company bosses are taking big pay rises. Some union officials, um, you know, uh, are, you, you could talk about the excesses. You know, I don't know that. What I do know is that when we look at the rail system, you know, we pay more for our tickets, I think, than anyone else on mainland Europe. Um, my wife uses a trains on an occasional basis, and she must phone up every other day when she uses them to say the trains have been cancelled. We have we have a train service that is not fit for purpose. No, it's not. It's dreadful. You know, uh, we we pay more for it. You know, it's absolutely dreadful. So. If there are to be pay rises, and there should be because there has to be, you know, we have to see a, 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 a modernisation of the rail service. That means it is fit for purpose, you know, and, and, and at the moment it's not. That's yeah. how I see it. Well, interesting.
0: Maybe we can return to this in a future podcast because I have been doing a little bit of work with Community Union, which is a, a progressive trade union with some really good ideas on on the future workforce. You were talking about the tech companies that you... Maybe we could even do an event on it. Yeah. Um, you know, The tech companies are really struggling to hire good people, and it's a very competitive market to keep people inside companies because they're being offered pay rises to go and jump ship and go and work for somebody else. And how culture in workplaces is a really, really pertinent talking point and a big issue within, within, within tech companies. I'm really interested in this issue about culture in the workplace. And the, the, the freelance and contractor division of the community union is providing peer support, it's providing legal advice for people who are, you know, um, with their, you know, with a different tax situation, providing peer support networks, skill support, campaigns on prompt payment and contractor arrangements. So I'm really interested, maybe we could return to this in future about the role potentially of trade unions in, in organising workplaces, not just for destructive things like, you know, leading people out on strike, but actually creating a modern progressive um, workplace work workforce I'll just
1: Um, what I'll do because I'm mindful of time I'll just try and answer it in 30 seconds because I think we need to come back to it if you look at a lot of the industries that are going on strike it's the sort of industries where you've got to be there in person I deal with a lot in the tech sector. And what they do, they, they, they use a lot of flexible working, hybrid working. Yeah. You're seeing a lot of tech companies now, because what you said earlier was spot on. The biggest challenge at the moment is recruitment. Yeah. You can't recruit and retain staff. So they're offering equity, they're offering free healthcare membership, they're offering free gym, gym membership, yeah. you know, air hockey. You know, They're offering so much, not only to recruit staff, but retain the staff they've yeah, got. Yeah. Um, but what, what that does is that if everybody works from home, it damages culture. So culture fundamentally is business critical. Yeah, it is. Very good, Chris. Um, Thank you. And the Greater
0: Manchester Good Employment Charter, which is now being rolled out across different places in the north as well. Leeds City Region, Sheffield are looking to do their own Good Employment Charter. I think that's a good example about creating a good workplace culture within a a place, within a city region.
1: Now, I'm going to get you to talk about something that's really close to your heart now that you love talking about. Um, No, not yourself, Michael. Um, (coughs) I'm going to talk about name drops. Okay, so at okay. the weekend... I think you're the big, a bigger name dropper than me. <laughs> well, let's have a name drop off. Um, <laughs> so so you went to um, your big passion, Blackburn Rovers, at the weekend, and yeah. then you also went to watch uh, um, a podcast, uh, which was uh, the Alistair Campbell and Rory yeah. Stewart. Yeah, I did, you know, yeah. I'm yeah, going to ask you about that. I'm not going to mention the parking ticket you got in Blackpool, but we <gasps> need to sort this out, world. Um, yeah, Blackpool Council. Your mobile phone has got Peter Mandelson's number on. Okay. Yeah. How good a friend is Peter Mandelson to you? Yeah, How big cool. a name drop? Peter. Yeah, I know Peter. Okay. I don't want to put you on the spot now, but you can also we know Peter. But you know, do you actually know Peter? Have you met Peter? Has Peter said, I used anything? to work with him. Yeah. So I'll work with him.
0: He's the chancellor of Manchester Met University, and I was the, I was the head of regional. Well, Affairs. share share a Peter Mandelson story. So so my wife went to um, to Burnley Football Club to uh, to take a dad went for his 80th birthday. She was in the director's lounge at Burnley. Does that, text- does, that, she- does that hurt you to say Burnley? She's a Burnley fan, yeah. My, <laughs> my, 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 on that side of the family, they're, they're, it's a Burnley family. We are a, <clears throat> a living proof that peace can exist in East Lancashire. Mm. And um, anyway, she, she's with Eamon, my father-in-law. He's enjoying it. He meets John Motson. And, that, and Rachel texts me and says, Alistair Campbell's here. And I ha- we follow each other on Twitter, so I do have a direct line to him. <laughs> so, I, so I messaged him and said, my wife's there. Eamon's there as well. Big Labour supporter, which was stretching the point a bit. He'd love to meet you. Can you could, I, could you go and have a chat? And uh, n- nothing. Radio silence. Rachel then takes it into her own hands. She goes up to Alistair and she says, you might know my husband. Um, he works with Peter Mandelson at Man Met University. Marple Leaf on Twitter. Yeah. And he says, oh, yeah, he's a complete <laughs> T-W-A-T, yeah. um, which is nice. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then, and then he flirts with her. Yeah. And then he then texts me back and says, I've already met your wife. She held my hands tenderly and told me of your Venki problems. <laughs> so not only does he attempt to make a cuckold of me, he tries to then rub my nose in it as well.
1: What about Peter Mandelson?
0: Well, well, I think we're running out of time a little bit. We've got a lot more to talk we'll about. We'll have to save that for another podcast then. We might have to. And you've, you've finished watching my cultural recommendation. Yeah. You are getting up to, up to my standards on
1: cultural yeah. references.
0: You've watched Our Friends in the North, all yeah. nine
1: episodes. What did you think? Yeah, amazing, amazing. Because when when you recommended it, obviously I did take it with a pinch of salt. But it was addictive, and um, I mean, the main four characters in that, they are so, I'm still thinking about it now, I'm thinking about the last scene, deeply moving, Daniel Craig, phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. I
0: I start crying even thinking about it.
1: Yeah, no, it was, uh, I mean, you've given me a few more recommendations, In the Loop is the next one you want me to watch. It is, that's a film, it was like a spin-off of The Thick of It. Yeah.
0: Now, you probably don't like The Thick of It, because it's it's labourish and it's got loads of swearing in
1: it. I like it, I like Peter Capaldi in it. Right. Um, but he
0: just swears all the way through it.
1: Yeah, but there's a time and a place for that. I mean, and there's some it,
0: quality swearing in, in the loop, by the way. Is it? Well, yeah, I, weapons I grade.
1: I don't like swearing unnecessarily. That's my point. Right. Um, one thing I do want to mention before we go, actually, is the uh, City Mayor of Liverpool, Joanne Anderson. Well done to
0: Joanne for being the leading force behind getting Eurovision to come to Liverpool, beating Glasgow in the final.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. But it's still it's
0: Ukraine's Eurovision,
1: hundred percent. Which
0: Liverpool will be hosting. So well done, Joanne, for that. Which is what you wanted to say. But Joanne's
1: it? been very careful to say it's Ukraine's Eurovision yeah, that they're has. hosting. But but she, she, she's
0: class act, isn't
1: she? She came out and announced that she's um, battling uh, breast cancer. I think it's stage two breast cancer. Wow. She's talking publicly about it, which I think is great when people in the public eye talk about that. And she's encouraging people to have tests because yeah. I think that's how I think that's how her yeah. breast cancer was diagnosed. So Joanne, you know, oh, wishing all, right, all the jo. best.
0: Yeah. I met her at Labour Conference, by the way. Ping, <laughs> another, name drop. Another name drop. No, but she I think she's fantastic. She's such a powerful... You know, she stepped up when others didn't. You know, when the other Joe Anderson stopped being the mayor of Liverpool.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But there's some good stuff coming out of Liverpool, uh, which we've alluded to on this show. Yeah. And it's not been so. without its problems recently as well. For sure.
0: Right, that's great. So give us a review on um, on Spotify or whichever podcast platform you choose. Um, this has been Northern Spin. Thank you to What Media for recording this podcast, getting it out there, marketing it and doing everything they do. that. wonderful, wonderful partners of ours. And thank you as well for Elliot Taylor for providing the music. His track, New Beginnings, is what you will hear now. Thank you. This has been Northern Spin. I've been Michael Taylor. And I've been Chris McGuire.